Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of Day 4 with Frank Scalish. It is show number 101. What are you laughing about? I can't hear you. I've got you muted. Oh. What an awful, what a bad start to that one. Can I can I start that over? Good morning and welcome. What's going on, Frank? <laughs> show 101. We made it through. Uh, I We kind of made it through show 100. We made it through show 100. You made it back up to uh, the frozen... Tundra. What do they call? I thought that was Green Bay. Well, w whatever it is, it's frozen. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. Nice. It's kind of a, it was kind of a drag. I mean, um, driving home after that because I didn't get I didn't get my my enough of my fishing fix in down there. I got a lot of it in. But we fished three days. I'm glad we went the first day, the Wednesday when you got in. Oh, dude, that that, that gave us like an additional half day to fish. And it gave us hope. <laughs> hope is good. But yeah, and, and so when I got back, everything was frozen. I was going to actually, um, I was actually going to dump the boat in, the tin can in, um, do a little winter fishing. But much to my dismay, uh, we're locked you, in. You see I'm on the phone. You know what I'm doing? Guess what I'm doing at uh, 945 today? I don't know what you're going crappie fishing. <laughs> you're such an idiot. <laughs> All right. If you didn't see it, uh, you could go to uh, my Instagram. I put, put a bunch of stuff up uh, uh, of the crappie fishing adventures that we had. Frank, you have the list of winners from show 100 that will be mailed. Now just flash it up there. Don't show. There you go. Uh, and those winners, those prizes are going to go out after the show today. after the show today so if you've got if you you have you should have one color number seven spook which is what we'll get into next yes. and then you should have four uh day four maps that you're going to sign and send out to the yeah, winners and then an autographed hat uh correct so which i'm actually i'm actually giving him two autographed hats oh fantastic all right let's yeah. get into this because we got a, a great show today yeah, Todd, Todd the prop guy, Todd Buck now, is is back today, and we actually have videos. What are we talking about today with Todd? We're talking about performance bass boats. We're, so what we're talking about, we're not going to dive too deep into rough water handling. We're going to dive into how to properly set your boat up for maximum efficiency um, and handling, um, which is really a key. That's a key thing to to. The better, the more efficient your boat is, and the and the better it handles, the easier they are to drive, and the less complications you have driving them in the long run. So we're going to cover that. Todd's going to go over some di what different blade shapes do uh, to boats. We're going to okay. cover. We're going to cover a whole lot of things today in this world. Awesome. So we'll have Todd on for the first half of the show. And then it, like, let's say you're a bank guy or a canoe fisherman or kayak fisherman. We'll take a couple questions at the end then. Correct. If you're not, if, if, but I mean, these are some pretty cool videos. Like one of them is, is titled 118 mile an hour, Allison. We'll just leave it at that. Till we yeah, get we're going to leave it at that. All right. Um, we got to clear some, we got to address something. Yeah. So yeah. color number seven went live at 11 a.m. last week after the 100 show. Yeah. Uh, take it from there, Frank. <laughs> and by 11.04, they were gone. Um, what, what had happened was the orders were coming in so fast, the system 
wasn't calculated. Every time you make an order, it comes off of an inventory sheet. So then it all always knows how much inventory is in there. It happens so rapidly that the inventory count didn't keep up with the order count and it overlapped. So they're they're having color number seven is is coming back. It'll be back in 90 days um, for those who want it and didn't get it. Um, the, the initial run on color seven um, was actually short. So they they have they're going to have plenty come up in 90 days and um, and then you guys will all be able to get them. So, you know, uh, they apologize for that. Uh, but there's nothing, you know, I don't, I don't personally make them. So there's nothing we can really do except wait another, you know, three months and then they'll be good. Right. And I've had, uh, emails, DMS about it. And if you're listening, I, uh, I wanted to wait until Thursday because, uh, you know, there's some people that are getting calls, some people that are getting right. emails, but the, like you said, the system is so backlogged with so many people. It's not that they're not going to get to you eventually. It's just, it takes forever to do that much, but as a whole, the day four listener, we like I said, we joked about breaking the system beforehand. We didn't know. Right. We didn't realize it was going to happen. <laughs> if it would take half the day, if it would take three days. I mean, I, I assumed that we would sell out just because I know that there's more than 300. And, the, and here's the cool thing. No one like bought like a hundred of them. That's not the thing no. at all. Like I was, we were kind of worried about that because it's hard to put parameters on with their website too. But like 99% of people were very considerate. considerate. In, in fact, speaking of considerateness, I, I have to say this too. I, this audience is fantastic because I got a lot of DMS with guys that had purchased four and were willing to give three back. Yeah. For the people that don't have them. This is a very non-selfish audience. You guys never stop impressing me every time something we do something. So uh, kudos to you guys. Nobody has to give anything back. Nobody does. There are going to be plenty of them. And, And they will be in. And like I said, uh, Apologies on our end. Lurenet uh, has a very good problem, I guess, on their hands, yeah. but they do realize that they had the problem. So thanks for hanging in there. Now, I do want to say that you have arrived, Frank. You have <laughs> I've arrived. arrived. Now, now I've arrived in know. Cleveland. Listen, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to think about this. I don't. But it is kind of cool. I don't know what to think about. Is it capitalism? Is it whatever? Because right now there is a color number seven spook on eBay for $77.77. There it is right there. $77.77. And we were also joking about when they would be on eBay. And and they're on eBay. Unbelievable. That's Uh, unbelievable. I mean, if you really, really, really want it before what, April? Right. Or the beginning of May, then then have at it. I, I I know that there's a big push in the glide bait market of guys who flip stuff, but it's right. it, it's freaking America, man. I mean, I thought it was nice that that Lurenet and we all did. I mean, it was a straight up uh yeah. paint shop deal. We didn't add any right. was there, it ten bucks, twelve nope. bucks, fifteen bucks, nothing. It was the straight up what you get for your paint shop prices which i thought was really classy too right because they could have easily jacked it up but they didn't uh there's no there's no you know what this is 
that's not what Lurenet's about. Um, you know, it's just a place to get baits and cool baits. So, you know, I mean, they they played it straight to the wire. And then, yeah. you know, we had a small issue with the orders, and now it's going to be resolved, and it'll be resolved by April. So I think that's pretty good. Absolutely. All right. Anything else we got before we bring in Todd and we get to 118 mile an hour bass boats and fast passes and Allison's and props and all sorts of stuff? Or are we ready to are we ready to rock this thing? No, I'd say we just get to. Hey, let's light it up. What's up, Todd? Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Two shows in a row. You jumped on for show uh, number 100. Talked about that uh, cool new five blader you were working on. And then Frank wanted to come back with a deep dive this week uh, and get some videos up and do a bunch of stuff. So thanks for for two Thursdays in a row. joining. Thanks for having me. Thanks for right in here. And here here's what here's part of the reason why this materialized today was um, after the hundredth episode, I got a lot of DMS guys wanted to know about proper bass boat setup and performance. So I thought, well, since, since we're, it's winter time and we might as well cover stuff that we're probably not going to cover very in depth during fishing season. Uh, I said, well, let me call Todd. Let's have at it. It's your show, guys. I, I don't know anything about this. I just know that my <laughs> props on. I, I just I just recently learned how to take my prop off. So how about it? Well, Todd, where do you want to start? I mean, do you want to start with a uh, big do you want to start with what different blades do, or do you want to start with the big thick question that I get all the time is um motor height? Well, let's uh let's start with motor height. Um, okay, because I think that'll be a good topic to cover. Um all depends on how much nose weight you have, the balance of the boat, and how the boat wants to lift. Certain boats want bow lift, certain boats want tail lift. So uh, motor height is going to be critical to get you the best handling and the best attitude of the boat the way it's supposed to ride. All right. So go ahead. Oh, go ahead. So okay, I'm gonna I'll let you finish because you're probably gonna get there. No, go. So okay, so when people talk motor height we have to clarify because I, I realize that there's a lot of people that don't know what that really means. I mean, yeah, you can raise your jack plate, lower your jack plate, but where, what, what are you looking for in motor height? All right. What we're looking for in motor height is center line of the prop shaft or the lower unit in reference to where that sits below the bottom of the boat, your pad. Most of the bass boats have a pad. So the dimension is from the center line of the gear case to the bottom of the boat. And that's the uh, that's the height when we start talking about motor height. Most guys have a jack plate and they're able to run it up and down and they run it up. They run it here. They run it there. That's not really you can find out kind of where your sweet spots at, but it's really nice to know exactly where you're at. So then when you're trying different propellers, trying different balances of the boat, you know where your starting point is and you can come up a little bit from there or down a little bit from there. Now, when you go up in motor height, you have the tendency for the boat to lose a little bit of bow lift, which will drop the nose. Now, for the boats that like to run level and flat like your legend, Frank, you can get away with a little bit more motor height. For somebody that's got a heavier rig, uh, more nose weight, you can run the motor deep, deeper and get the leverage to pry the bow up if the boat wants bow lift. So ob obtaining or knowing where your motor height is at uh, to carry the style boat that you have with the weight that you carry is of utmost importance to get the correct uh, performance out of that hole. 
Todd, let me let me ask you this. You got guys that are on here going, well, we're talking about high performance. This this is applicable on whether you have a 50 horse, a 150 horse, a new motor, a four stroke, a 21 foot bass boat. There's an optimal there's an optimal setting for every vessel, regardless of age, length, weight, height that build. Right. Absolutely. So whether we're talking a 50 horse on a, uh, you know, 15 foot aluminum uh, bass tracker or we're talking about a 60 to 70 mile an hour bass boat or an 80 to 100 mile an hour bass boat, it's still going to be uh, critical to get the best performance out of the boat. Okay. Right. Because here, gas mileage improves, handling improves. This is all about handling. Um, if you have a boat that's um, not set up properly, it handles differently. It's harder to drive. You experience weird stuff, chine walking or whatever. You yeah, what are some of the weird things? Maybe guys have a boat that 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 is not set up right, but what are some of the signs that maybe your your boat is not set up right? That, well, that they're going, hey, <clears throat> that happens to my boat, and I just assumed that was the boat. Frank uh, touched on one already, chine walking, which is where the boat is going to dip left and right instead of staying on a straight track. Um, and if the boat is doing this, you're nine times out of 10 guys are going to get out of the throttle and they're not going to be able to, you know, run it at that speed. The other um, thing that you can get is what we call porpoising where the nose of the boat goes up and down like this, and it just doesn't want to stay up and sit there and take the ride. So those are the two most common things that we see. Um, and I hear all the time, guys, uh, just got this uh, XYZ boat from the dealer. He said he got 72 out of it, but I can only drive it at 66. Well, if you got a 72 mile an hour boat, he should be able to run 72 mile an hour in it. Um, his setup's wrong. So either the motor's too deep and he's getting prop torque reaction, which is too much bite, uh, which would be similar to having too much bite on a tire in a car that the, the car is just not going to act the right way when it leaves the light because you're getting too much grip. So if you have too much prop and lower unit in the water, the boat will want to list to the left usually because the prop is turning right, which will force you over to the left. So it's a it's a balancing act between the height, the style of the propeller, and just knowing what the boat wants as far as bow lift or tail lift. All right. So there is a chance when you see some guy out there who comes off pad, he's going or he's getting up or you see a boat that's that it's not that he just sucks at driving it. It could be that his boat is not set up properly. Absolutely. See it all the time, Matt. See it all the time. Now, there's no replacement for seat time in your own boat. Right, right, right. Um, right. That's number one. Um, but we see it all the time where it comes from, you know, a reputable dealer, and that's not getting on any dealer's case, yep. but they ship the boat out. But each individual is going to load this boat up 400 pounds differently. Right. So you have to deal with what your individual rig is and find out what it wants. And there's a number of ways to get to that. We can touch on it, but uh, each blade style is going to do something different to the boat to help it in a positive manner. You have props in front of you. You could show different blades. I do. I do. So this would be uh, similar to what the uh, Mercury Bravo prop would be. And this is, uh, we put a lot on bigger V6 bass boats. Now this has got kind of more of a rounded blade to it. Okay. And with that being said, that will tend to lift the bow a little bit more. And without getting in too crazy into physics, the angle of the blade to where it's mounted on the tube the higher it is mounted on the tube, that's a higher rake angle that creates more bow lift. If the blade is mounted to the tube and it's down lower, that's less rake angle that will lift the tail more. So in a situation like that, 
you have a different style blade. This is what we call a semi-cleaver style blade. This will give you more neutral lift or tend to lift the tail more. Which so, is what I, which is what I run on mine. Correct, correct. So this is a two different, you know, style blades that could go on the same boat that will have two completely different reactions to the boat based on what it wants and needs. And how do you know which one you need? Like what what's your boat doing if you want the cleaver style and what's your boat doing if you need the rounded style? Okay, so the roundier with the higher rake angle, if you need more bow lift and the boat's just not freeing up from the water, the roundier style with the high rake angle is going to be the prop to go with. Okay. Okay. Cause it's going to get the nose up and the boat correct. out and allow correct. it to hook up and go. That is correct. So if you okay. have a boat with natural bow lift that doesn't need to help lifting the bow, then you can move on to a semi cleaver style that helps to lift the middle and the back end of the boat. So the boat is clean, but it's off the water level instead of just being right. bow high. Okay. Right. My, my boat loves to run level but I have to get the boat out of the water. So we went with the, that semi-cleaver style because it literally, it lifts the boat up like that. Correct. Horizontally. So I have air underneath my hull, but the boat's running like that. It's not running like that. It runs like that. And so, and here, and I load mine heavy. So what's, what do you, what, you told me something one time for how much weight is in front of the council. So yep. for every 20, if you put every 20 pounds in front of your council, what, what does that do? Well, we're talking about downforce. So if we look at a regular 20 foot bass boat, okay, if we have 200 pounds in the nose, that's 200 pounds times 20 feet. So you're looking at, you know, 400 some pounds of down pressure, okay, mm -hmm. on the nose of the boat, because it is 20 foot from where the motor is doing the lifting with the lower unit and the propeller. So even a hundred pound trolling motor may not seem like a lot, but 20 foot in front of the point of push. Um, another example, you got in trouble when you were in school, the teacher said, put your arm out, hold your uh, dictionary. No big deal if your arm is three feet, but if your arm was 20 feet long, that same three foot dictionary would feel a lot heavier. That's what That's I was going to say. It's boat. like, it's like you have a, you have a, let's say you, you can lift a 10 pound weight very easily and it's right mm -hmm. here and you're lifting it. But mm -hmm. now if you put a 10 foot pole and you have that one arm and you say, lift that 10, that 10 pound weight, you're going to go, it's going to be really hard to get it off the ground and the weight's going to barely come off the ground. So that's the exact same. Yep, and you're talking principle. jig boxes, rain gear, your spare prop, clothes, three, plastics. Three 12, yeah. Three 12 inch graphs. Yep. I got and, you. You know what I mean? And the trolling motors today are way heavier than the trolling oh, motors. Oh, which would also day. explain why a lot of guys with all of the big graphs have so many problems with eating waves because it's harder for them to get the nose of their bow up because they've literally got 60 pounds on the on, the, on their bow of the boat as opposed to a guy with just a nine-inch graph that has way less weight at the very tip. Absolutely. Correct. And the other thing that we've seen too, Matt, in the uh, advent of all the lithium batteries Great, great product. And with mm -hmm. all the electronics and everything that the guys are using, um, I see why they go to them. But when you take that weight out of the back of the boat now, compared to the lead acid batteries, guys are actually losing performance on some boats because now they can't get the same bow lift because they're not, don't have the right amount of weight that the boat was designed to have in the back. And now the back comes up higher, which drops the nose. So they're, you know, it, it's a balancing act to get the boat to do what it's supposed to do. Hey, the best description you ever said was it's like a teeter totter. Yep. Okay. So if you're, if you're 
this is your pad from here to here is where you're both. So you're asking that prop to lift all of that up. You know, if you're in a teeter totter and your weight's in the middle, it's real easy to, to lift the front of the boat up. But you go back here and you're going to put all the weight back here to try and lift all of this bass boat. That's what you're asking your prop to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, okay. So now, so, so we're talking about uh, running level, bow up, bow down. Um, let's talk about uh, when a prop blows out and you're getting slippage. What's slippage? That's my big deal. So like I was out on Ontario, I had a three blade prop. I was in five footers. It, it was fine, but man, I'm climbing it. And then it goes like that. Like I'm just not getting the power to get over it. And I'm like, God, this thing's coming from behind me. That's what we're talking about right now. Right? Yeah. That Now rough water's a, a little bit different, um, you know, because you're just dealing with such a mountain of water and the boat coming up and down and then the bow dropping and, the, you know, the rear end of the boat kicking up. But when we talk about slip percentage, as far as performance goes, okay. first thing is out of the hole. Okay. How much excess cavitation is too much? What is not enough? What I always tell my customers, Matt, and tell the guys that I'm working with, it's okay to have the prop spool up a little bit and slip as long as that bow is going forward and it's a 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, 3, 1,000, boom, and you're on plane, a little bit of slip is good. If the prop locks up too hard, it'll just bog and it's going to be very slow to get up on plane. Now, when we look at slipping as far as when we're running you know, 50, 60, 70 miles an hour or wide open, we use a quick formula. <clears throat> We take the pitch of the prop, the gear ratio, and the RPM of the motor. You come up with a theoretical speed, okay? What your real speed is, you divide that into that theoretical speed, that'll give you a percentage. Most bass boats in this category of 65 to 75 miles an hour are going to be right around 8 to 10% slip percentage, somewhere in that ballpark. So if I'm talking with a customer, I run the numbers real quick. Hey, Todd, I'm doing 67 at 6,000 RPM a 1.75 on my Mercury four stroke, I can work that out and say, hey, look, this is what you should be in. And then we take a look at those numbers and now we can decide which prop is going to help that slip percentage to help him get better bite, which is going to prove everything from the handling, the whole shot and the top end. I know that sounds like a lot, Matt, but it's a formula that gets you in the ballpark to see what the boat is doing versus what it's not doing. Yeah, and, and the thing that amazed me about slippage, a couple of percent, makes a huge difference mm -hmm. it makes a monumental difference the slippage that you were talking about matt with the three blade yeah, yeah, yeah. five footers totally different scenario because Correct. you have okay. i got you're, you sorry you're trying to push all the weight of that boat up that yeah up that mountain of water the water's pushing you back you're trying to climb the boat the problem with the three blade is it needs rpms to spool up i got you and so it's not getting them and it's slipping in the water, trying to push that weight up, which is why that five blade uh, handles so good in that, that kind of situation, because you never lose forward movement. Correct. Okay. Now on Frank's boat, when we were doing uh, the testing at Frank's boat and uh, these are minimal amounts, but we made a run. We looked at the numbers, punched it in real quick. And I told Frank, I said, look, we need more cup in this particular version of this prop. Because if we can get the slip down to, you know, X number, we're going to be exactly where we need to be. And he just kind of looks at me and he chuckles. He's like, you and your numbers, you know, and right. it, literally, Matt, it was 20 thousands of cup being put into the blade 
that made the difference of another three to four miles an hour. Yeah. And everything that we wanted the boat to do as far as lift handling, everything else, uh, it just needed a little bit more for what he was carrying and uh, what his boat wanted. So um, when you look at that slip percentage, you can learn so much about what's not happening that you want to happen that we need to get uh, through the propeller. And is there any way to do this formula on your own or do you need to be in the Actually, boat Mercury, with someone? Yeah, no, no. Mercury has a prop slip calculator. You can go right on their website. Um, a lot of people use it more on the performance end than the yeah. regular run of the mill end, but uh, it is a number that will help you, um, you know, uh, zero in to what is exactly happening at speed or at wide open throttle. Yeah. And, and something that I'd like to t- say too, is that when I set my boats up, um, my magic number is 71 to 73 miles an hour because mm-hmm. I'm not setting my boat up to be a rocket. I'm setting my boat up to handle waves, rough water, and I want to be able to corner and turn extremely well and smooth. And so what I so I don't look for I don't look to go to the, you know, to the high end of my boat's capabilities speed wise. I I have my idea of the the perfect boat is I want handling first and foremost rough water capabilities and and that that gives me a boat that's easy to drive. I don't have to fight through any nonsense. It's easy to drive. It's very responsive. My gas mileage is good. Everything about it is good. So I have this little window and my window is little and Todd could attest to that because we do we do so much extensive garbage when I'm rigging setting one of my boats up because I'm I, I'm not trying to get I'm not trying to get the best of one thing like speed or the best rough water. I, I want to be in the yeah. middle and I and it, I have to be exactly in the middle. Basically so, you're not <clears throat> trying to set it up like your drag race. Like right. you're you don't want to take a drag race to to a NASCAR track. Right. I right. exactly. So and well I mean you're talking about drag race and I, pop a video up. Yeah oh, yeah Dan, we have video can, um, pop that video I think it says Todd Tony and Paul and we can uh, talk about trim angle here. Sounds like a slipping. sounds like a seventies band. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. Let's see how this works. Let's go with this, and then let's add this to the. Oh, beautiful! Look at that. Look how there nice that is. See that? All right. Uh, no, no audio on this. But what are we looking at here, guys? All right, what we're going to look at is when the boat first starts to accelerate, you'll see the rooster tail go up, but then as the prop hooks up, the tail will drop. But when the boat comes by, you'll see the boat off of the water, but the trim angle of the motor is going to be neutral. If you're too trimmed out and you're wasting that thrust up towards the surface of the water, you're wasting forward push. Oh, that, that was it right there. So that's yeah. where the yep. tail's up. So that now, means that means so you're accelerating. Okay. You're accelerating. And as gone. the boat starts to lift, now the tail will drop. The boat's out of the water, but we can stop it right when we can see the motor angle. Now, if you look at the top of the motor, it's level. So the boat is lifting, okay, but we're at a neutral trim angle. Now, granted, bass boats are going to be a little bit heavier than that scenario right there. But the bottom line is you want as close to possible as neutral trim that you can have with your prop doing the correct lifting to get the forward thrust of the motor. The guys, Matt, that are running around the lake with a trim angle 
and they're shooting a rooster tail up. Yeah, like what a, about those guys? You see them, you're like, man, you can't follow them within 50 yards because you just get a shower. I mean, it's, it's just, a fire hose. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. So what are they? Are they just... Okay, so when we talk about slipping at wide open throttle, okay, there's an example. The motor's trimmed out too far. The prop is not getting efficient push. And instead of the um, propeller screwing on a horizontal plane underneath the water, okay, what's happening is that all that thrust of water is going up towards the surface and spraying it up with what they call a rooster tail. That is the most inefficient way to push a boat forward. So if you've got a high rooster tail, chances are the setup is way off. Correct. Um, you know, the, that's that's the best way to tell, too, is that rooster tail should be about cowling height. Yeah. From about the top of the motor cowl down below is right where you want that rooster tail, as we can see here from this video. Right there. And that's the level. That's the shot right there. Isn't that's it? it. That's it. Perfect stop. Like if Boy, guys, I guess I didn't realize there's like nothing in the water back there, guys. Like, I no. mean, that's the lower unit right there. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. Just... That's it. Now, when we, when we talk about boats like this, Matt, all these pad-bottom bass boats are um, designed after the 70s and 80s of Allison's and Bullets. And yeah. that pad-bottom design is no different on any other boat, really. A couple changes here and there, but we're still dealing with the pad-bottom boat. So even though we're looking at a boat that's not a, a true bass fishing boat, the principles are the same because the bottom of the boats are so similar. Right. And and if, you, if you're using, you know, three-quarter trim to full trim to, to get your nose up, you're way off base. Yeah. Way off base. Now, granted, I mean, in some in some heavy-loaded bass boats, you're going to have to use some positive trim. There's no question about positive it. Positive trim means? Trimming out. Angle up. Trimming Motor, up. Trimming up. Okay. Okay. So that will tend to lift the bow more. Yeah. But if you have to use too much to the point where you're wasting the thrust, then the prop's not hooking up and you're not going forward. And that's where we get into the setup as far as style of blade. What can help you lift that nose up without using the engine trim to tilt it up? And motor height to what is the best motor height to carry what you, you want to carry as far as your boat, your weight. Okay. Yeah. Dumb, sorry. Dumb question here real quick. Shoot. So, uh, you know, I've ran three different models of Bass Cats over the last mm -hmm. five or six years that I've, I've never... Uh, and they all, you know, run a little different. I'm sure that's because of the hull that Rick designs different hulls mm -hmm. on all of them. But there's also each boat also gets out of the hole differently. And I've had some that just pop out and go and others where it was like, and then boom, it would go. But it mm -hmm. was like, so the one that I, that I just had great top end speed, incredible handling, a lot. I don't want to use the word squirrely because it's different, but it was like I, you know, you could take your hands off at seventy-five. The one I had before that, you had to start driving it at seventy-three or seventy-four. Yep. But it came out of the hole a lot easier than this one. That's all just setup stuff that I did not have dialed in, right? Or is is each one a little bit different if they're the same kind of models? If it uh, if it was the same exact model, it was definitely a difference in the setup. Okay. okay. That because I, I felt like it was a setup deal because when that yep. boat would perform a hundred percent, and when I took it to the to the uh, Merc guy because I got grass in my deal, he was like, "Hey, everything," and he like did the did the uh, uh, spark plugs and changed it. And it was just like a boom! It popped right back up again. Now you know another example too is Matt is that you went to a different style motor. So if you went from the same exact boat with a two fifty uh, two stroke 
No, it's the no. same motor. I've same had that motor? same motor, okay. yeah, for okay. for three different models. Okay, gotcha. but so so the more I, I talk to you here, I realize it it was just small tweaks and setup that could have been absolutely instead of the boat individually being a little yep. different because they all handled phenomenally, but they all got out of the hole a little different. You all ran. I had to run each one a little different. You know, you get used to it to where it feels like you're sitting on your couch while you're going 74 miles an hour. You feel every little tweak. You know exactly what's going. You know when you need to bump it. You know when you need to pop the trim up a little, bury the jack plate, depending on the chop. Right. And and, and that's a great question too, Matt, because from this standpoint, uh, we get a lot of phone calls. Hey, I've got the same uh, bass boat as, you know, uh, Bob. Okay. Yeah. Well, here you go. You had the two same boats. Your boat and Bob's boat are not going to be the same. You don't have them loaded the same. Uh, it could be a difference in uh, setback, a different jack plate, an eight inch to a ten inch. There's so many things that go in. So really, nobody has the same boat as you just attested to. Yeah, and, and I've run, I've run Alpha two elevens. I've had what did I have ten or eleven of them, and every one of them's different. Yep. Every every one. There was something about every one that was a little bit mm-hmm. different. Um, and, and so, you know, that's that's why we take the time to, you know, drive them, look at them, see what's going on. Because, you know. So important question here. Let's say there's a listener who's going, yeah, what's happening to my boat is exactly what Todd and Frank are describing. I, I get the deal. To start, to start, are you going to to focus on the weight distribution within the boat and the boat compartments before you start messing with the prop and the motor height and all that to see, to make, like, how do you know what your correct weight distribution is in the back and whether it's you're loading the boat wrong or whether you need to tweak the prop or the engine height? Is that a fair question? That's a very fair question, man. And that's where that uh, slip formula that we run. Okay. 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 So when he, he calls up, I'm doing X amount of mile an hour at this RPM. Here's my motor. I know the gear ratio. Once you work that out to find out how the boat is um, uh, um, running as far as the slip percentage, then just by knowing certain boats, which ones have bow lift issues, which ones need tail lift, then we start talking about what prop, what motor height to help that scenario that he's in uh, get better by giving him something that's going to push the boat better or lift the boat better. Right. So when, when, so like a lot of times people will call, they'll go, man, I'm, I'm tacking uh, 6,000 RPMs and um, I'm only running 67. Okay. Or, or they'll say, what can I do? And I'll say, all right, well, how, what RPMs were you running at full throttle? Well, I don't know. Well, you have to know what your RPMs are at top end to get to, to, to do this calculation because you're working backwards. You get the best numbers the boat's giving you at the time, RPM, speed, and then you work backwards from there. Let's say we're going down the lower unit to the prop. That's that's how you do it. So if your numbers are inaccurate, then then everything else is inaccurate. Right? Makes sense. All right. Uh, we still have a couple other videos. Do we want to get to that? We have one that says 118 mile Allison. <laughs> yeah, I've, we, we I've, take a peek at that. I've been a little curious about that one. So <laughs> go, go ahead, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is actually my uh, my father. And, uh, Not that's him. A, <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that was a poor editing job on my part. <laughs> that's a buddy of mine from Canada sitting in the back taking a video, but as you start rolling this, Matt, we'll get to a point where the uh, camera goes to the back of the boat 
and then we can get a good look at a flat rooster tail and how the water's just peeling off the back of the boat, not the sides. So less wetted surface, better performance. You're freed up from the water. Okay. We'll just let it run because this is just a cool shot. No problem. We've got a Allison for those of you on iTunes that is now the camera's starting to get the speed shakes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey, I, I, oh my I, gosh. I'll, I'll I'll just tell you that Okay, uh, here we go. Nope. Yeah, it'll it'll start to come around. 108. Uh, here we go. Okay, so here we go. We can Oops. take a look at that. Um, I need to pause that right there. Okay, so there's Perfect. the motor angle. So we're pretty much at neutral trim, which means we're not trimmed in and we're not trimmed out. But as you can see from that tail, it's lower than the motor cowl, and that water is just going straight back. Okay, now, whether that's 118 or 68 miles an hour, you still want that water peeling off the back of the boat going straight. Because if it's coming off the sides, we have too much wetted surface and we're wasting performance. And fuel. Correct. And handling. Because of friction. Because you're pushing more. You're more, pushing more wetted surface. More wetted surface, which is creating more friction, which is taking more energy to propel the boat forward. Absolutely correct. correct. Absolutely correct. I'm going to cut that clip out and save it because I'm proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> He did. You did a great job there. But there yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, th this these are go fast boats here. Yeah. Um, and I was very fortunate to experience that in uh, in Todd's boat. And um, I'll I'll just tell you that, uh, you know, 118, 120. That is a happy guy right there. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Uh, he is an interesting individual. Yeah, he's a happy guy. Well, whenever your boat's set up right, you're a happy guy. No question. No question. Can I ask another dumb question? Absolutely. There's no dumb questions. Uh, tr trust me, you haven't watched all the BTLs there. <laughs> uh, exactly. Okay, let's say, I, let's say I have a basic understanding of this, Todd. Mm -hmm. But let's say I'm also me and I know my limitations okay. and abilities. Like, are there people, or you, like, is there like, hey, for 500 bucks, I can bring my boat on a good day, and I'll have a guy jump in and diagnose it for me and say, here's what I think we need to do. Like, do you do, is that like part of your job to like, you jump in with Frank and get his boat dialed in? Is that yep. something that you or, I mean, obviously we're talking to you that you could do to where it's like, hey, for this, and then I can diagnose, I could say, I could get in and be like, dude, it's set up freaking perfect. Or I can get in and be like, dude, you need to lift this friction, goggles, blah, 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 whatever you need to go. Yeah, we do do it, and uh, I probably do, I'm going to say 15 or 20 of those, Matt, throughout what the What is summertime. that called? Like a diagnostic? It's just setup. A setup run. Yep, okay. Yep. They come in. Um, guys from Michigan, Indiana, Pennsylvania, closer to my area will come in um, that are having issues, and we'll go out to the lake, and I'll bring a bunch of props, and we'll adjust motor height, um, you know, get the right wheel on there, and by the time that they leave, they're set up, they're good. And we so you know what prop you need to buy instead of buying a prop that then Correct. isn't ideal. So you have all these test props with the Correct. different shapes, sizes, yep. cups, pitches, and you're like, Absolutely. this is the ideal one. And then you can say, hey, let's set one up for the rough water. And you can go there and have your rough water prop, your ideal prop, your speed prop, and you know it's all dialed in. 
Absolutely. And, you know, and, you okay. know, for a guy that's going to spend a couple hundred dollars to do that with me, by the time you try to purchase three or four or five different props, it didn't work. Maybe they're returnable. Maybe they're not. You got shipping back and forth. So for guys that, you know, want to come in, it's just easier to get it done and make sure it's right before they leave. Yeah. And, and, and it's really a great experience because you learn so much about your machine. Um, I've never learned so much with the boat that I bought this last boat that I bought when I got it, we had, um, the, the boat was set up so improperly when I got behind the wheel of it the first time and ran it, I'm like, Whoa, this handles not at all. Like any legend I've ever been in. There's a problem. And I, and I didn't understand exactly where the problem was. So I ran over to Todd's and we looked at it. And the first thing we did, there was, they had some funky thing on the bottom of a, of a static jack plate. And the first thing we did was we removed that. Um, it did, I want to say a little better, but it really still didn't do what it was supposed to do. And so the, the whole key was we did one change at a time Okay. and we gradually worked our way yep. through this thing. It's the same um, thing. Like if your body is unhealthy, you're not just going to start taking all sorts of different medications because right. then you don't know which one is the one that's helping the ailment or what it is. You're going to start systematically saying, well, I mean, until you get down to it and you're like, ah, clearly the liver. <laughs> <laughs> well, right? We right. always start there, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's so true though, Matt, when we make changes, um, if you changed height propeller and, you know, uh, weight uh, bias, you know, one way or the other, you don't know what worked or what didn't work for the next test. Okay. Now, yep. one of the things that we have the unique ability to do since we've been driving these things and racing them all of our lives is one run in the seat. You can tell exactly what the boat's not doing. You can and, feel it. And, yes. Yes. So um, obviously there's an advantage if you can get in the seat and feel it yourself, if you're with the customer, but uh, with the experience that we had doing this for 35, 40 years um, over the phone, we can diagnose 99% of anything that they have. All right, couple questions that I want to get out of the way. Uh, Jay's Outdoor says, so we just call and make an appointment? I Absolutely. Would assume, I would assume that is that is the Hydromotive Engineering in Twinsburg, Ohio. That is correct. It's a prop shop. Another valid question. Someone wants to know, do you just go to uh, – Nate would like to know, if, if I'm gonna not in that area, do I just go to a prop shop for setup help or go to a mechanic for setup help? Um, I would say that uh, have them you know, call first. And we can, you know, kind of speak to what uh, what direction he has to go. And if mm -hmm. he needs to go that route, he he could. But a lot of the things, a lot of these guys can take care of um, pretty much just by yeah. over the phone with us. Oh, without having to go to. to Correct. Um, Chris, with the interesting question that I actually came had earlier and then the moment passed, is the prop pitch and the prop cup the same thing? No. Okay, so let's talk about pitch for a second and we can do this real quick. Everybody throws pitch numbers around all the time, but not a lot of people understand what it is. If you have a 25-inch propeller pitch, that means every time that prop rotates 360 degrees, you're supposed to go forward 25 inches. It's just like reels. Mm -hmm. Seven, seven one-to-one -one gear ratio, spool spinning 7.1 times every time you do 360 degrees. I had there no clue about that. This is uh, mind-blowing time. Okay, so, all right. So with that being said, Matt, if we're only going 20 inches – out of that 25, there's our slip, there's our drag. Okay. So no prop is 100% efficient. So that's where you have to take in that slip percentage. Uh, now, when we get to cup, okay, the least amount of cup that you can have in a propeller, 
to obtain the lift characteristics that the boat wants is the best. The more cup that you put in, you are robbing horsepower. So for example, Matt, your motor, your 250XS makes its peak power right around 6,000. Yeah. Okay. If I just put a ton of cup in your propeller, it would now turn 55 or 5,600. So yeah, the propeller is biting more, but I just took you out of your power range. I got so, you. So there's a balance there. You're going to need some cup. There's no question about it. But a lot of people just throw that in there liberally. Or like the example, like we were talking with Frank, it took 20 thousandths to make a three mile an hour difference. Which and the is ride attitude yeah. was way better. So a little bit goes a long way. So pitch is not the same as cup. Okay. Uh, let me let me put this in layman's terms for me again, too. So if I'm in big water and I need power, can you consider the pitch number almost like a low gear on a bike to where yeah, I'm going to want to run a 24 pitch? And that's why a 27 pitch three blade does not perform as well because I need the power to get up a bit and it's Absolutely. spinning fast. So it's like trying to go up a hill on a bicycle in a high gear. Absolutely. I, I was just going to say, Matt, that's like leaving a, um, um, in a stick shift car going uphill in fourth gear. Yeah. Well, you're out of the, out of my league in a stick shift too. I tried. I tried. <laughs> Listen, I learned how to drive a stick shift in my buddy's Jeep and it, I got, I mean, I could, I could drive it on flat ground, but we had to do the old switcheroo when we had a red light at the hill. <laughs> so we were talking about the five blade last week for the rough water series. That yeah. prop there, Matt, is a 21 pitch. Because oh, again, that's really, really, really low. So that is, yeah, a first, a, that is a first gear because you're never going to over rev it because in that kind of water, again, you're not going to be going 50, 60 miles an hour in three, four or five footers. So you need that instant a first gear sprocket um, to climb now, up that water and get down it. Now I'm actually seeing why guys carry two, three, four props with them Absolutely. and why you literally see them based on conditions in the parking lot changing props yep. before they dump their boat. And I always thought like, oh, that this guy just wants everyone to know that he thinks he knows what's going on. But it's <laughs> it's it's like a it's like a, a tool. It's just yeah. like you wouldn't you wouldn't try to try to uh it's drop a shot. Of yeah, exactly. And it, two screwdrivers. I understand that. And that, that makes it super understandable for me. Good. We, we have what we have one more video. All right. T Buck and his Allison XR 2002. Yes. This is the one that uh, actually I took Frank in a ride in and Frank drove it for a little bit. He did good. He did real good. Uh, is this the one that you've never actually been able to talk about Frank? It's like the secret run where you were like, I can't tell you how fast we actually went. I don't even know how fast we went. My right. tunnel vision. What are we, what are we watching for here? Okay. We're looking at boat attitude again, how the boat frees up off the water and uh, trim angle. And again, just another good picture of getting the boat off the water and the tail dropping. Wow. Let, let me just tell you how that boat is just ridiculous. So everything there is ideal. Correct. Now, if we take a look at the motor, you know, Matt, again, we're at a neutral trim angle. Beautiful. Oh, rooster nice tail. Oh, yeah, that's really nice stop. Um, rooster tail below the top of the motor cowl, but the boat is off the water. Now, granted, this is a go fast boat. That's a lighter boat, but the same thing can be achieved in an 1800 pound bass boat. Yeah. In 60 to 75 mile an hour range. 
So it's uh, it, it's not a lost art just to go fast. Right? It's uh, it's the way that the boat should ride. All right. So let's let's do this. So if something was improper here, let me see if we've if I've learned anything from this show. Okay. You would see the rooster tail here would be above the cowling of the motor. Correct. And shooting you would, up towards the sky. That's what I and shooting up towards the sky. You would see uh -huh. the angle would not be directly behind the boat. It would be shooting either out to the side or it would be one of those weird pitch angles coming out, which would mean that you have more boat in the water than there needs to be, which you're not getting the performance. Yep. You would also see the attitude of the boat would be different and you would have a lot more boat riding in the water. Absolutely. And this guy would be freaking the hell out because he'd be chine walking at a hundred miles an hour. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I that's mean, a, is that that's a bad place to chine walk? Is that, <laughs> well, is that Frank did a great job driving, but the first time I told him to get into the pedal a little bit, I saw his big toe and he just stomped on it a little bit, and he uh, he uh, I think his heart skipped a beat for a second. <laughs> So yeah. the best the best way to drive out of a chine walk though is not to let off. It's to trim and it's to to turn the wheel into it, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. And very slow and de and and deliberate. Not you don't want to nothing crazy fast. It's in, in most ease. cases, yeah. In most cases, guys, um, a lot of people tend to overdo the counter steering, you know, way I too much. See that again. Everything is from like eleven o'clock to one o'clock, man. Okay. Hey, and, let's Go ahead. It's very little movement on the steering wheel. Yeah. Like I, I'll just do that. Just a yep. little yep. shake. Uh, let me ask you this, Todd and Frank. Is your ability to make like hairpin turns at speed? Is that based on the boat and the hull? So like on the cat, I can just go. Shoop. But there's other there's a lot of other boats. You can't. Is that based on the boat? hull or is that based on the setup so like let's say you're going in a freaking river and you're going rrr, 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 like how much you're sliding how responsive that is is that setup or is that the hull um if we're talking about making one pin turns i wouldn't yeah. suggest anybody do that in a bass boat to be honest with you because that'll get you in trouble well i'm not but talking it, about whipping it around like grand theft but if auto we're talking about, talking right <laughs> if we're talking about snake turns on a river whatever then we're talking about setup for sure Okay, right. that so that's key. That's key, key. Because oh, there's some boats where you see them. I mean, you can tell they're freaking sliding. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. No, they're no. probably too high out of the water, too much trim, and it's it's like it's like like it, the the sharper your turn is. What I do is I I tap the trim down a little bit and accelerate into the turn. Um, that's the, yeah. the sharper the turn. Uh, um, Doug asks, what do you mean turn into it? This is back to, to, to feeling, to feeling the boat during the chine walk. Try to do your best to explain what you mean by turning into the chine walk. So you're basically counteract your counter. You're, instead of going with it to make it more, you can get into the groove where you're, when the boat wants to go this way, because of the prop and the way it's turning, you can counteract it, which is going to level it, right? Correct. So if the boat wants to tilt to the right a little bit, you're just going to jog the wheel to the left a little bit. You're, it's so like now, tuning, so tuning a crank. So exactly. It's that fine balance of when the boat wants to go left, you're a little bit right on the wheel. The boat wants to dip right, you're a little bit left on the wheel. You can feel it. You can feel it, hit it, and you're like, ooh, I did it right then. Because that, that was the thing that took me the longest to understand, to feel it in my butt and my body right. to where you know. Yep. And, and, dude, it just becomes second nature. It does. It does. And, and this is when you are really – high performance trimmed out like you have four fish in the box and you got 30 minutes left and you're 
right. it's just like the only re- only time I ever drive that is in calm conditions, and I know I'm screwed if I don't put another one in the boat because there's no sense in driving it. There's no sense in pushing the limits when you don't have to. Like well, you don't you- drive your car 120 miles to the gas or to the grocery store. Yep, I agree. I agree 100. percent and and the thing is too with uh with um <laughs> you just totally t- took my train of thought out when you Sorry. said gro- when you say grocery store <laughs> go ahead why, why? <laughs> well you don't call it that what do you call it the market <laughs> no <laughs> oh i know what i was going to say you're not tra- you're not traveling a great enough distance to shave that kind of time off when you're talking about you know four to five miles an hour you're you're just not you're not traveling that many miles where you're going to save yourself three to five minutes you're only going to save a minute at the most i'm glad you touched on that frank because myself personally matt um i love acceleration more than i love top speed it's always fun to go fast right but it uh again a, a 65 to 75 mile an hour bass boat i would rather run less pitch closer to the rev limiter of the motor and have that hole shot and acceleration than have a prop that's slower out of the hole, slower mid-range. It maybe runs a mile an hour faster, maybe two, because on a shotgun start, um, you know, just the throttle response, if you left, two guys left, one with a 25 pitch, one with a 27, the guy with the 27, if he had two miles an hour on him, it would take him 10 miles down the river yeah. before he even saw the guy with the 25. Pitch. So I was running a 27 pitch on, on my boat this past year, and I probably needed to be running a 26 or a 25. What RPM was it at wide open throttle? I want to say 6,100. Well, if you're at 6,100, then that's okay with the load that you're carrying now. Okay. You know, now that's based upon what the numbers, you know, say versus how you're slipping. Because remember, if the prop's not really hooking up good, you can turn 6,100 RPM, but that RPM didn't equate to speed. Your okay. tires are on ice. Yeah, so yeah, you're yeah. getting RPM, but you're not going forward. M- multiple people. And Frank, sorry, we're not going to have a second part to the show. We're just keeping That's Todd okay. on for a couple more questions. And then we'll I'm keep good. Todd on. We'll bring him out. This has been very informative. Um, is Hopefully. So I wasn't around for the first prop show. Is this different stuff than you guys covered last year? Yeah. Okay, sweet. Yeah. A little bit more in depth. Um, a lot of questions on the instant feedback about the distant, like motor distance from the boat. You see guys that have the motor set back. I don't even know where you want to go with that. I it's don't a great understand. Qu- no, no, it's, it, it's a great question. So when we talk about jack plates, again, the further the motor is back, getting back to our leverage point. Okay. The more ability you have to carry the bow. So the further that motor sets back, the more ability you have to raise the bow. But there comes a point where if you get too far back, you're going to lose efficiency just because it's not going to be good out of the hole. It's going to be lazy on acceleration. So um, I would say most most jack plates for the kind of boats that we're talking about are going to be somewhere in the 6 to 10 inch range with a hydraulic plate or a static plate. Okay. Now, there is certain instances like on Frank's old legend. It was a little bit heavier in the nose. We had to put a set of two inch spacers. So we took it from eight inch to 10 inch. And I remember Frank going, oh, man, the guys at the factory said that, you know, it runs better with an eight inch. We put two inch spacers on that. And as two inches gave us handling a couple mile an hour and the boat reacted completely different, just setting the motor back two inches. Yeah, it was, wow. it was crazy how 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 it was crazy how much better it was. 
Yep. Um, so, you know, so that's, that's the other thing. Um, I prefer hydraulic jack plates. It makes things easier. Um, but this, there's nothing wrong with the static plate either because you set it and forget it. Now, if somebody calls me up, man, just to give you a, a real life example and says, hey, I can't get my bow up. Uh, you know, I'm breaking water off by where I sit in the boat and I just can't get the nose up to save my life. Two things we're talking about. A, uh, bow lifting propeller. And then number two, does he have enough setback to carry the weight he has in the nose? So he might be a candidate to move the motor back further to get the boat on the water more. It's good stuff, guys. That's Pretty really cool. good stuff. I, I understand. I understand a lot, a lot more about it. This this turned into like I did a battery show last week, and I just, I I finally, I mean, like I said, a basic man, but I'm not afraid to admit it. There's stuff I should know that I don't know. But once you once you freaking know it, then it makes sense. Like I understand parallel now, and I understand where everything's going, and I understand depending on if I have a power issue, what battery that's connected to, and how I can fix that issue, and how I can check it. And now I feel like I have a better understanding of the of the prop deal. Good deal. Yeah, it's really, it's really cool. Um, Todd and I have been working together, well, since before I started fishing Bassmasters, yep. and um, it's it's just always it's always a, a a learning thing for me too. Uh, but it never ceases to amaze me how sometimes the most minimal thing makes the most monumental difference. Um, the other thing is is that uh when you're setting something up what we what what i've seen by doing this is that um you hit a wall if if things are incorrect and they're not going well you hit a wall where no matter what prop you put on you're getting exactly the same results out of it that means you're maximizing you're doing it you've got well, it well what that means is there's there's a bigger problem somewhere oh else. yeah yeah, for example, yeah. Matt, if you try three or four different style wheels, bow lifting, and tail lifting, and everything something. is running the exact same, we call that hitting the brick wall because now the props that should make a difference, either good or bad, are doing all the same. Right. Now we have to look further into the setup because all those props should run completely different. And right. usually that's a motor height or a setback issue that's, at that time. That's freaking good stuff. Like I said, we could go through questions. We could do this for hour upon hour oh, upon yeah. hour. But for those who would like to continue – uh, the the conversation with an intent of potentially doing something. Todd, what uh, do you want to give out your? We did it last time. Hopefully, you weren't like over over inundated with things. I know, like when I did it with uh, some other, they're like, "Holy cow!" But but that's good. So more information, specific questions, anything you want to do. Email address? Do you want to do contact form? What's the best way? Uh, contact phone number three three zero four two five four two six six. And uh, they can get me directly, and I'm here Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. Hold on. I'm going to do this. <laughs> here we I'm go. I'm going to make gonna, a banner. We're getting a banner. It's, All right. It's going to be a Todd, beautiful thing. Todd Bucknell, name of the shop is Hydromotive Engineering. H-Y-D-R-O-M-O-T-I-V-E. That is correct. I-N-G, or E-N-G-I-N-E-E-R-I-N-G. That is correct. And my dad was a mechanical engineer so i better know how to spell engineer <laughs> oh yeah he'll he'll smack you yeah and the, and the number again was what three three zero three three zero four two five four two six six watch this 
boom, there we got a banner. Is. Boom, we got a banner. <laughs> so, right, so well, while you were doing the banner, I I drew motor height. <laughs> oh, Frank. There you go. So, so that's your motor height. That is it. Anyhow, see, there, there's multiple things going on all at one time. <laughs> so how does that not? Uh, so you're saying the prop is out of the water while it's spinning. Uh, a lot of the boats that we deal with, Matt, um, the guys are running one and a half inches above the bottom of the boat. Is that not potentially really. part of the reason why you're seeing some props that are not getting their full lifespan out of it because you're putting a lot of extra yes. torque on it by coming yep. out of the water and then going Absolutely. back in and it takes those little hairline nicks and stuff and then boom, you rip our ear off. It uh, very, very possible. Um, but when we go to running that kind of motor height, uh, prop blade style is going to be key. Uh, that's when we get more into the cleaver style. Something. Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Where'd it go? There we go. So this is meant to run at the surface or above the surface. But I will say this, just for general, you know, prop 101, anybody that's out there, no matter what motor height that they're running, if you've got a bunch of nicks on the leading edges, yeah. as long as they're not too deep or it needs a full repair, definitely take a piece of like 400 wet sandpaper and try to get those little nicks out. Because uh, the example I always use to Frank is if you take a hanger and if you make one little score mark with a hacksaw blade and bend it back and forth, it's going to break right at that score line. So each one of those nicks is a stress riser, and that blade is like a hummingbird wing in the water going around. And it's around just vibrating. Out. So if you can get that nick out, it's not yeah. like that the whole blade is compromised, but it's yep. the leading edge. It's like the yes. hangnail where you're going like this over your nail, but if you have a hangnail, you're going to rip it. Right on, right on. So are we uh, ready? You know, keeping those leading edges clean is important. You got anything else? Or are we ready to hit the exit music? I think we're good. This was the easiest show for me ever. <laughs> this is why I love. Uh, I, <laughs> why I love like Scalish. I just wind it up and let it go. You got a little taste of what it's like to be me, Frank. Sweet. <laughs> Todd, much appreciated. Fantastic nice, I enjoyed job. It. Good stuff. Like I said, if you have questions about color number seven, Frank addressed that in the uh, first segment of the show. There will be more down the road. Are we going to get back to? bass catching next week frank yeah i i want to do um i want to do a deep dive on football jigging oh i'm all in on that looking okay. forward to it 102 deep dive on football uh todd bucknell up in ohio frank scalish boat setup props pitch cup attitude rooster tails we covered it all weight distribution it's good stuff today i have an attitude well, <laughs> yeah well that's another show, man. It's okay to have an attitude because you're also a genius. Geniuses can have attitudes. <laughs> All right. This has been another edition of BTL Day 4 with Frank Scalish. Bonus guest Todd Bucknell. We will see everybody on Monday. Later. <laughs>